You damn right. Hope you're having a good Monday. But unfortunately, for Texas Longhorn fans, it's going to be one of those Mondays. It's going to be a leather couch kind of Monday. We're going to be your therapy today. And the therapy will also be helping one of us today. It's Chad and Zay on a Monday. I'm Chad Hastings. I've already gone through my tournament pain, and it was further back down the line. I'm joined, as always, by Isaiah Collier, who will be processing what happened yesterday throughout the show today. What's up, Zay? What up, Chad? A wise man once said, today is a good day to be alive. (laughs) You're going with the basics, huh? Yep. You're breathing. You woke up. Yeah. Good basic stuff. Yeah. And, you know, the head coach of the Texas men's basketball team also says that to his players each and every day. That's true. That is and in true. moments like this, he's absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. That that may be the good news we need to start with today. I'm trying to stay positive. It's a good thing. Trying to stay positive today might be a good thing. Maybe on the Specs text line today we will encourage that positivity. 337-3776. But also, if you're a Longhorn fan, we will help you, again, try to process everything that happened yesterday. If you have thoughts, questions, comments, don't worry. We'll hit a lot of it. And remember, not only is Isaiah Collier a big-time basketball fan, Zay is the self claim greatest referee in the history of Central Texas high school basketball, which means Zay watches basketball games a little bit more detailed than the rest of us do, so we'll get Zay's thoughts on foul calls in the Texas game, that other foul call everybody's talking about in another another one of the regional championship games. We'll get to all of that, but let's start with some positivity. If you are in that bandwagon and on that team, that wants Rodney Terry to be the head basketball coach at Texas. Apparently, Zay, it is headed that way. There were reports over the weekend. Uh, I saw it and retweeted it earlier from um, the good folks Jeff Howe and the crew over at Horns247.com that Texas is going to offer him the job, and it just needs to become official, and we'll see if there'll be a press conference and all that. But reports are that they will be offering him the gig. Yeah. And well-deserved what he's done this season from when Chris Beard was let go due to his own problems and Coach Terry took over. Everybody thought, oh, it's a wrap. You might as well wrap this season up. They're going to maybe even if they make the tournament, we didn't know what was going to happen entering the Big 12. And going 22-8 and like he did, having the team back him like they did. I mean, you saw him last night in the pressers and, you know, in the locker room. He loves those guys and they love him. When you hear Serge Barry Rice talk about he's a mirror of me, like that just gives you chills. And I, I mean, when you have to have a lot of luck to win national championships, you know, and you have to have talent. Everybody thinks it's just the X's and O's when they see guys like John Wooden and they see guys like Mike Krzyzewski. John Wooden had Bill Walton. John Wooden had Lou Alcindor. And John Wooden was spinning a little coin <laughs> in a time where you weren't allowed to. But, hey, Miami, they probably pay more than anybody left in the Final Four. Nigel Pack getting two hundred grand a year. Isaiah Wong, hundred grand a year. So... This is the new age that we're in in college basketball. And back to having the Jimmys and the Joes, all those five championships that Mike Krzyzewski has, name one team that won it 
that doesn't have McDonald's All-Americans on it. Like, those guys, they were stacked. Yes, those guys are good coaches. I know everybody wants to look at the Fresno State record and the UTEP record. Okay, it's hard to win at mid-majors. Not every and You see why guys have moments in the tournament and then they jump ship. Ask old boy from FDU how quick it was to go to Iona. He knows. You can't, you can't stick around that. You got to go while the iron's hot. And, again, you just have to have dudes. Like my man from St. Peter's last year. Right, they had a great season. Where he at now? Seton Hall, back at his alma mater, getting an opportunity. So, Coach Terry, I think he earned that opportunity with what he did this year. And back to the having a little luck to win national championships, Chad, when Dylan DeSue went out, I was like, here it goes. You can't have things like that happen. Look at all the teams that dealt with injuries yeah. in the tournament that had so many expectations. You couldn't tell me Jamal Shedd and Marcus Sasser were 100% trying to chase that Miami team around in the Sweet 16. You look at Bill Self and the situation that he had with Kansas, him being on the sideline. You think that would have made a difference going against Eric Musselman and that really talented Arkansas group? <laughs> Hell yeah, it would have. UCLA. They were controlling that whole game against Gonzaga. Then they couldn't get a stop. You think that if they would have had their Pac-12 player or defensive player of the year in Clark, that would have helped them? So all the teams that you see in the Final Four now, from FAU, San Diego State, Miami, and you know, all UConn, all those teams are healthy. Healthy. Mm -hmm. And when you lost Dylan DeSue, that was such a big blow because it took a team that was so versatile and so complete back to a limited team, to a team that we, we didn't know at the beginning of the year. We saw how good Tyrese Hunter was playing and Serge Barry Rice and the guards, but Dylan DeSue, he only averaged around six points for most of the season until after that Baylor game. And then after that Baylor game, I don't – Light just turned on. The flip just switched, and he started balling, and this team took off. And going into Xavier to do what they did, that was an amazing performance. That was a master class on both sides, offensively and defensively. Like, they had Adam Kunkel in shambles with his dirty self. Mm -hmm. That was a dirty-ass play on Serge Ibari Rice, dog. I, when he was crying, I was like, oh, boo-hoo, get him a freaking tissue. He deserved all those tears, how dirty he was. Don't be mad. Don't be mad that you got beat. Don't be mad. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was a master class that they put on offensively, the high ball screen and pick and roll, and it was good for one game. But when you play against Miami, you got to give Jim Laranaka credit. What he did, what he realized in that last 10 minutes of the game yesterday, he realized, you know what? If they're going to play this tight, full court, we let's just play nothing but guards. One of the worst things that could have happened last night, Chad, or yesterday during the game, was Omir getting in foul trouble because they go from four guards and a big to just straight up five guards, five out, spread them out. We're not shooting threes because they're taking away our three. I get it. We saw what Nigel Pack did against U of A, seven threes, bam, 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 bam. <laughs> all just dominating those boys. That, that terrified the coaching staff, obviously, where they're like, we can't let this happen. We can't let this happen. And Miami, 
they were good. They said, all right, if they're going to take our three away, we're just going to attack them and make the refs change the game. And I get why Longhorn fans are upset because last yesterday what we saw with the officiating wasn't consistent with how the games have been officiated throughout the whole tournament. It just wasn't. There, did Texas foul on some of those plays in the second half? Yeah, they did. Did Texas make some really stupid plays in that second half that helped that 10-minute 33-14 to 14 run that Miami went on? Yeah, absolutely. But those calls that you saw in the second half of that game, they weren't consistent to the first half, and they weren't consistent to what we've seen throughout the tournament. They've been letting them play. And there are a few calls in that second half. For example, Dylan Mitchell's block on Isaiah Wong. That's clean. Just because guys hit the floor don't mean it's a foul. There, it's, guys are so athletic. The momentum's going to take up. Dylan Mitchell went and got that. Yeah, that was an incredibly freakish That's play. That's incredible. By the way, did you notice with how high he jumped, he hit that ball with the bottom of his hand. Oh, yeah. I, that wasn't even a full extended block. And I, I feel bad for Dylan Mitchell because he had some really great plays and he had some really bad ones. He had some really great plays where we're like, that's that five-star right. like supposedly lottery pick that was coming into the 40 acres before the season. That's it. Yeah. That's it. When he went and got that block where it was like over the it was over the square on the rim. It was crazy. And he got it with the left hand. And everybody was like, is that Golden? Then they showed it and I was like, oh, that thing was still nope. going up. Yep. It was still going up, and that brother went and got it. That was a great that's play. That's insane, Athlete. That's what the NBA scouts said. Okay, that's why right. we weren't dumb. We weren't tripping. All the NBA scouts are looking at each other like, we weren't tripping. We weren't. When we, when we saw all year long with Dylan Mitchell, which he had a tough season. He had a real tough season. Right. Just And we saw flashes last night. Like, on out-of-bounds plays, you can't have a guy just – you're standing right there. You're guarding a guy straight up. And – Jordan Miller just kind of gave him a fake to the left, lob, dunk on the out-of-bounds play. That can't happen. In an Elite Eight, that can't happen ever, ever. Fast forward, Chad, because now after that happened, Timmy Allen's mindset is, okay, I have to help. I have to help. So I have to help Dylan or whoever was in the game at that time, and I'm just going to not see man and ball. You got to see man and ball, even on out of bounds plays. It drives me insane when guys just completely turn their back on the guy throwing it from out of bounds. Poplar, throw it off the ass, dunk. Mm, that's a like, rough one. Oh, Coach Terry like threw something. They show Coach Terry after you. Yeah. Like, damn it. I, I was it, like, here it goes. And it's 13 at that point. Yeah. I'm like, here it goes. That's stupid stuff. That's dumb. Both of those plays are dumb. Now, one led to another, like the fact that. Jordan Miller got that dunk was the reason why Timmy Allen was just looking at the play going on because he wanted to help to make sure it didn't happen again. Yep. But you got to see man and ball Timmy Allen. Timmy Allen had a rough, as good as he was throughout the game, he, he had a rough last 10 minutes just fouling. Like, you got to understand when they're calling it tight, you can't go for those charges like you were before. And Jordan Miller, I mean, 13 for 13 from the free throw line, like, bruh. Grown-ass man stuff, 23 years old, like nothing phases him. Yeah, he went 13 for 13 from the line, 7 for 7 from the field, 
since 1960, there's only one other guy that's been 20 for 20 combined in a tournament game, and it's Leitner against Kentucky. Wow. Like, that's the guy. I'm pretty sure it's a Kentucky game. It's some Leitner game, but I'm pretty sure it was Kentucky. He was that perfect. So when he when he went to hit that famous shot, that kept him perfect. Yeah, yeah. And just there was a play where he went up for a jump hook and Timmy Allen's bumping him and stuff. Like, you, you don't need to do that. But, again, Jim Laranega, he, he understood that, you know what, if they're going to play, if Tyrese Hunter's going to be all over Nigel Pack because they're so afraid of the three, Tyrese Hunter, he's the only one that's good enough to be full court zigzag on ball defense. Everybody else, not so much. Mm-hmm. And they were just getting the ball off of missed free throws and rebounds and just pushing it. Whoever got it, which they're five guards, so they all could push it. Joseph, Poplar, get it off the board, pushing the rock. Pack made some crazy finishes. Isaiah Wong had some nasty fadeaway jumpers, pull-up jumpers at the end of the game. Those are huge shots, man. You know, Going to the Brock Cunningham box out because I know we want right. to get to that. I was going to say, let's get to two calls here because people are wanting you to put on the ref shirt and break it down. Let's start with the one that's ultimately called a foul on Brock Cunningham. Walk us through that. How did you see that play? Okay, so you have your lead official on the baseline. You have a center official on the opposite sideline. He's by himself, basically, because there's two officials on the same side. So the lead official is on the baseline, center official on the other side, you he she should be around. He's out of bounds, obviously, but he should be around the free throw line, looking at what's going on there toward the middle of the court, free throw line, mm-hmm. the lane, yes, and then you have your trailing official at the top, which is on the same side as the lead official on the baseline. Okay. He's the one that's looking at the ball handling, make sure there's no backcourt violations. That's where that's where he's at. So Nigel Pack has the ball on the wing. The shot goes up. The trail official on the baseline, that's his responsibility to watch what's going on. The rebounding calls. The rebounding yeah. calls. Okay. You're, that's all you're looking at. You're not looking at the ball in the air. You can't. that Because what if Omir or Brock Cunningham throws an elbow and you're looking at the ball, you miss it. Yeah. So you're just looking you're what's looking, going on at the guys, at the guys yeah. in the paint or in that area. That's yours. On that other side, the center, you can look. You can look what's going on. You kind of got to do both. The good ones can do both. You look what's going on in the middle, but you know that's his responsibility. So you could look up at the uh, ball to see if it goes over the rim or hits the shot clock and comes back down and bounces in, you know, because that's mm-hmm. out of bounds. Yeah. So you, you're looking for all that stuff, and that's what he did. He looked up. He's watching that. Omir and Brock – they're already, Brock's already boxing them out. That's the thing. This is what people don't understand. He's already boxing them out. The ball's in the air. The ball hits the rim. Then it flies in the air. Now my man's like looking at the ball. The center official's looking at the ball slash like watching Omir and Brock. He did not see Brock and Omir boxing out when the ball was in the air. He saw it once it hit the rim. The baseline trail official... He's looking at the whole thing mm-hmm. the whole time. So he knew when Omir left his feet yes, and all that. Yes, he knew. He knew. And that's the one that initially called it. Yes. He called over the back. Yes. Okay. 
That's and, the one. And then they come together. They look. Did they come together and look at a? You don't look at a video of that, no, right? They, they just come, had they to come together, together and talk. And the center official, which I don't know if it, it can't be the trail official. He can't be involved in this. He has too much going on. He shouldn't want to be involved. <laughs> right. If the center official on that other side, well, again, he looked up when Nigel Pack saw shot the ball. He looked up. He should have manned up and said, you know what? I didn't, I see, didn't see what yeah. was going on before. Was there anything going on? Because you could easily say, Brock, when the ball went in the air and Omir jumped in the air, Brock then connected. That's when stuff started happening. You could say that, but that's not what happened. I've watched this plenty of times. Sure. Plenty of times. Trust me, I wasn't going to come in here and give y'all fake game. The baseline lead official has to say, yo, I was watching it the whole entire time. Cunningham was pushing him out. And, this, and look, this is just science. When you have a big person like Omir and you're trying to box him out and he's trying to get positioned himself, there's a lot of force there. You're using a lot of mass to go back. Mm-hmm. So once he jumps, your natural reaction is to, it's like pulling a chair. You're going to kind of fly yeah, back. And there's gonna, nothing there. There's nothing there. Right. So it's going to look bad. And I get it. You want to protect the guy. But you got to see what happens beforehand. And the fact that they had the audacity to change it is so Bush League. It's so Bush League. I, I know everybody, people who aren't long over baseball, oh, it's so homer. No, so, no. I've, I've refed the game. I've played the game. I've coached the game. That's a Bush League call. And, again, that center ref, he might just have more pull. He might be the main ref. There's always a main ref out of the three. There's a main ref that talks to the coaches and makes the call, just like there's a white hat in, the, in football. Right. It's the same thing. So I, it's, it seemed like he just overruled them there, but he, he was in the wrong. you got to trust that yeah. lead official who's on the baseline. That's his call because he's watching it the whole time. And he did, he did a great job. He didn't look up or nothing because your natural reaction – is to look up at the ball. But as a ref, you can't do that because there's so much happening around the paint. Guys throwing elbows. Guys do, guys could do all types of stuff. So for the record, you think the guy that made the call did every, saw everything he needed to see and then got overruled by someone yeah. that didn't? Yep. Okay. Because he made it. He was pointing the other way. He was. Everybody was like, yep, Texas ball. We're going the other way. And by the way, the other to me, an indicator on that play, one of the people that thought Omir was getting called for a foul was Omir. Yeah. He laid on he the knew. floor and he knew it because it was going to be his fifth. It was going to foul him out. Tie ball game and he would have been fouled out. His, <laughs> his human nature told him, I just committed the foul and they got me. And it's like, okay, so now are we being strategic with it? Do we know that it's his fourth? Do we not? Do we want him to stay in the game? Like, because that's foul, too. Yeah, you can't do he that. He messed up. Right. Don't, this ain't that. This ain't the league. <laughs> this ain't the league, and this ain't Jordan. This ain't Braun. This is just, you can't do that. And then it goes to Brock Cunningham, reputation. If this was anybody else, I don't think that call's made. Hmm. But it's Brock Cunningham, and he gets called for one of those a game, which some, he's, some he does at the wrong time. Some, some you call it a foul. Some call it a foul. Yeah. And then some, I think it's reputation. It's tough. Brock's in a bad situation. That's what happens when you're in college yeah. basketball for eight years. I kept watching that thing over and over again, and I kept asking myself the same question. I, what, what is Brock Cunningham supposed to do What there? is he supposed to do? What is he supposed to do? How is he supposed to account for whether or not the guy is on his feet or not? I thought he had good position. I'm glad you confirmed that. I'm not a basketball <laughs> official, but I thought he had good position. I thought he was blocking him out. Once the guy leaves his feet, then 
like you said, Brock Cunningham's going to kind of end up underneath him, but that's not on Brock. The block out shouldn't, the refs shouldn't count in their head the block out when the ball hits the rim. The block out should start when the shot's in the air. Yeah. Because it could go anywhere. It just depends on the bounce. Right. And the bounce, it went high, and of course it goes straight to Amir. The basketball gods, they're going to find a way. They're going to find a way, of course. It could go anywhere on the court, Chad. The ball could bounce out of bounds. It could go anywhere, and it goes right back. Right yeah. to Omir. It's the person who has the biggest reputation for, air quotes, I guess, being dirty, even though he plays our glue guy. Brock's done some, he's done some questionable things throughout his five years. I ain't go front, even though I'm a Texas fan. <laughs> Brock's done some questionable things, but he plays hard. He plays with passion, and that's all you could ask for. But that was a bad that was a bad call, and I wish the baseline ref, I wish he would have had enough cojones to say, I was watching the whole thing. Yeah. Like, we can't we can't make the call. It, it, all you saw was Omir in the air. And if you just look at that, that's what's going around. It's just, it go, that's what, that's the only clip you see. That's all, only around social media right. is Brock Him and the guy going in the air. Nobody airborne. sees, because a lot happens. Shots in the air, it bounces off the rim, it goes up in the air, then the blockout situation happens. For this listener that's saying, am I the only one who just wanted Brock to jump? It's his rebound, and or he's getting fouled from behind. He was in great position. What would you say to that person? That's not what you're taught to do. He wants Brock to go get the ball. That's not, no. You're he needs to guys. block out there. Yeah, he needs to block out. Yeah. He's not athletic. What do you mean? It's not like there he's are other Anthony guys Davis. That would, yeah. They can just go up and jump and get it. He's not that guy. Yeah. All right, so there's uh, some of Zay's thoughts on that foul call. We'll get to the one at the end of the San Diego State-Creighton game, which I think just got figured out about 12 minutes ago. That one, that one took a while. We'll get to that. Crazy calls around the tournament. Final four is now set, and obviously, Longhorn fans, uh, we're trying to help you process everything that happened yesterday. Uh, we'll continue to talk about Miami over Texas. Up next in the NFL, we've also got to get this massive story out there. Lamar Jackson wants a trade officially. We'll talk about the details coming up on the Horn. Chad and Zay. Getting started on a Monday, Chad and Zay getting through all of the craziness of the tournament. Longhorns out in the round of eight. We will get back to that. Oh, man. This is one of those songs. Is it? It's called Stranger Than Paradise. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Yeah. I was singing this the other day out of nowhere. I love Stranger Than Paradise. Who is this? Um, oh, is it uh, Hurricane? No. Damn it. Who is it? Sleazy Bees. Oh, yeah. I wasn't coming up with that one. Sleazy Bees. This was one of those. It popped up on probably Hair Nation the other day with my wife. We were driving around, and uh, I was like, why do I know this song? I have no idea. 
The sleaze bees or the sleaze is it sleazy or just the sleaze bees? Sleazy bees? Sleazy bees? That, that what, might be it. Is that what they are? Spell it for me. Is there a Y in there or is it just No, it's an E. Yeah, it's the sleaze bees. Sleaze bees. That's what it is. The sleaze bees. At least that's what I've always called them. All right, so the sleaze bees get us started today. Sounds tougher. Was this it? Sounds tougher. Was this it, though? For them? The only hit? Oh, yeah. I don't remember anything else by the sleaze bees. It's tough. Pardon me if you're a sleaze bees fan and I missed something. A lot of Longhorn fans reacting on the text line today, as you could imagine. 337-3776. This one says, if it's not over the back, it should have been a no-call play on. There are some people that are saying those griping about that call are not catching some of the other things that happened in the game. I don't, oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think anybody, again, you blow a 13-point lead in a tournament game. It's not about one call. We totally get that. But it's one of those games that you can't, it's kind of hard to discuss the game without at least getting to that call, just like we're going to get to that San Diego State and Creighton thing at the end of that game. Um, it's just it's tough. Zay gave you his thoughts on the call. He thought it should have stayed the way they called it. Again, they called it on the floor, and Zay going back and looking at it, he thinks an official saw everything he needed to see, made the call, and then they completely switch it. So that ends up being uh, ends up being pretty tough. If you have thoughts on it, three three seven three seven seven six. We will get. I want to get Zay's thoughts on that Creighton SDSU moment. Real quick though, let's get this NFL story out there, and we'll start discussing it throughout the show. But Lamar Jackson has now tweeted out that he requested a trade, and Zay he says he did it all the way back on March second. And that the Ravens, I want to make sure I get his language correct here, that the Ravens, quote, uh, that the team has not been interested in meeting my value in contract talks. So, again, he's on the non-exclusive tag. Other teams have had the right to talk to him for the, all this time. And if they, if he agrees with another team on a deal, the Ravens could match it or they could just say, nope, that's good, we won't match it, but they will get two first round picks in return so that's kind of where we are but this is the first day we've heard that it's official he has asked them to trade him so kind of a crossroads here for Lamar Jackson Um, but that is a big story out there in the NFL so now I guess the Ravens need to officially figure out okay we got to find somebody we got to we got to find a dance partner here I guess I mean but who wants that like, I love Lamar Jackson and stuff, but who who would go after him? Who's going to give who's him all the throw, value? Yeah, who's going to give him all that value that he's asking for? Plus, the Ravens, they expect a lot in return, too, if they're willing to trade him. So I think other teams understand what they're going to have to give up for Lamar Jackson. And... Again, I love Lamar Jackson. Yes, he's a former MVP. Yes, he deserves a certain amount of money. But let's also be realistic. We got a guy who's now has been injured. A big part of his game is his legs. And he's over 25 now. Yes, he has years left. But when you look at quarterback, you look at the next decade. You don't look at the next four or five years. And the Mm -hmm. money that Lamar Jackson is asking for it's like you're paying somebody that you're going to have for the next decade. He's not that type of QB. Right. And, you know, I, I kind of goes back to Cam Newton a little bit. There's a certain delusion that Lamar Jackson has. It just is. Like, you could sit on this MVP stuff, but that was a few years ago. And, yes, the Ravens have hosed you over by not getting the weapons around you 
for your talent. Absolutely right. And you have he has a right to be disgruntled and angry about that. But him getting hurt this past year doesn't help his case at all. Because I look at Lamar Jackson, and yes, I see that dynamic quarterback that can make things happen, that can take you to the playoffs, which his playoff record ain't the best. And that does go back to the weapons. He'll probably say, okay, look at the weapons. Look at Patrick Mahomes. He has Travis Kelsey. Look at all these other guys that have won. Look at Jalen Hurts has A.J. Brown. That changed their whole team with the Eagles. So I get Lamar Jackson's frustration, but his game and the money that he's asking for, for how long it is, like with the guaranteed money, it mm-hmm. doesn't match. It just doesn't. So and like – you could go back the all the past you want with the Pro Bowls and the MVPs and stuff, but he's a risk. He, he just he's a risk, and with the NFL and how guys go down, like he's a risk. Every time he runs, I hold my breath. The way I understand this situation, back to the compensation thing, I think the compensation is already set because they tagged him. The compensation's two first round picks. Okay. Period. Okay. That's what the Ravens would get back. So I think this is all about. As long if a team comes to a deal with him, they they come to an offer sheet and all, and then the Ravens determine do they want to match it or not. Now they could match it just to be kind of a holes about it and to press you know press the issue. But if they decide no no we won't match it, then I think it's just two first round picks and then they move on. But it's about what is he ultimately asking for? That deal that he said no to in Baltimore supposedly had 133 million guaranteed at signing, 175 guaranteed for injury and a, and 200 million guaranteed if he was on the roster a certain day in 2026. So, if that all played out, he would have gotten 200 guaranteed. Supposedly his people are saying, "No, we don't want it all. We don't have to have it all guaranteed. We know that Deshaun Watson was an outlier. Kyler Murray got like a hundred, little over a hundred million guaranteed. Russell Wilson, one hundred and twenty-four guaranteed at signing. He's looking for some of that type of serious guaranteed money, and we'll see. He's just got to come to some agreement with a team at this point. It's going to be tough for Denver." to throw a lot of money around to guys to put around Russell Wilson and Sean Payton because they gave those two a ton of money mm-hmm. for the long haul. And somebody on Spec Sexton was like, Zay, you can say the same thing about Jalen Hurts. You're damn right I can. And I think Jalen Hurts is a little bit more realistic than Lamar Jackson that says, you know, I need guys around me. I'm willing to take less money. Mm-hmm. I'm willing, you know, I got, I got agents. It's a great women's team that back me up. And I'm willing to say, you know, I know my worth, but I'll take less money for the greater good, a la Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah go, get your, go get you a baddie supermodel that makes more than you. Tom <laughs> did it right. This is why he's a GOAT. People, yeah, uh-huh. the end of what he did on the field was right. But Shoons, old girl, baby mama, an actress, she got home, other baby mama, supermodel, one of the greatest of all time. So, he, he yeah, he took less money with the Patriots. Not yeah. every, but not everybody thinks like that. Yeah, and I don't know if this really affects that much of the discussions because I think everybody knew, you know, well, I don't know if everybody officially knew that Lamar was, you know, requesting a trade here. You got to wonder how would this affect other teams? Again, there's no, there was no negotiating as far as I can tell. It's not like the deal would change here. So this is just about does a team want to take that chance? On Lamar Jackson, I've heard the Colts get mentioned today. I've heard Washington get mentioned today. Some team that's out there that doesn't quite have the quarterback situation dialed in the way they want to. And 
the Colts specifically could end up with one of the one of those four quarterbacks in the draft, very possibly in the top ten. Do they want to do that? Or do they want to go after Lamar Jackson? The logic might be their head coach, former guy in Philadelphia, who put things together for a Jalen Hurts. Would mm. he want to put things together for a Lamar Jackson? Similar at least maybe a similar mindset, a quarterback that's got lots of weapons, uh, excuse me, got lots of tools at his disposal, but you got to be careful how you utilize him and protect him. That's what I'm saying. Like Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson got way more light in the ass than Jalen Hurts does. I don't think he's bench or squatting no 700 or that. I have way more confidence. And and Jalen Hurts got hurt this past year. He still got injured. Sure. Playing that style of play. You didn't think that affected them, even though they rolled on through the NFC. Like they had that time of the year we talked about them, where they were getting banged up. Yeah, that middle to late part of the year. You yep. got an extra game now in the NFL. Like Lamar, his arm. There's just certain throws he cannot make. You, you just can't. And you want to put all you have. He's like, okay, I need y'all to put all these guys around me. But Lamar, we need money to do that. You're asking for this much, and he's like, yeah. You're like, okay, Lamar, like, you got to, but I'm this good. And there's like, well, Lamar, you're good, yes, but you still need help. He's like, well, y'all need to put something around me. It's like a big circle, Chad. Mm -hmm. The circle is going back and forth. He's like, put people around me. They're like, we need money to put people around you. You're asking for too much. He was like, so? (laughs) Look what I've done. Yeah, look what I've done. This is my value. Look what I've done. Here I am. It's like, bro, that's past, past tense. Yeah. Like I, that's cool and all, but this is what happened with Jerry Jones and Ezekiel Elliott. You can't bit, you can't reward guys just for what they did. You do that a little bit, but you can't completely go overboard, because it could mess up your whole team and what you're trying to do with and build your roster there. And I wonder now, does this actually help those other teams? Now is Lamar officially saying, no, 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 I want to, I want to be out of here. I don't want to be in Baltimore. Does that give them the power? If I'm the Colts, if I'm the Washington, whoever else is interested, does that ultimately give me the power with Lamar in a little more of a way? Because I know, like, no, no, man, you, you've, you've told us you don't want to be in Baltimore. No, he's so scorned. So here's what it is. Here's what it is to get you here. So we'll keep an eye on that story. Biggest story in the NFL today, obviously. We're talking plenty of basketball, too. We'll get Zay's thoughts on the end of the San Diego State-Creighton game. Obviously, we're still talking Texas and Miami. Miami gets by the Longhorns 88-81. We'll continue to break that one down, how the Longhorns gave up a 13-point lead, 10-point lead with 10 to go in the game, and they couldn't finish the deal. Coming up at 105, Joe Cook of Inside Texas. We'll get his thoughts on it. The Texas baseball team is on fire right now, winning all all 14 in the homestand. Zay was going to be happy with 10 and 4. That baseball team said, you know what, Zay? Hang on. We got it. 14 and 0 in the homestand as they're about to head to College Station. We'll get into all of that. Also up next in the crap bag, this weekend I encountered two people that you do not want to be, plus a shout-out to an Austin legend coming up on the horn. Chad and Zay. All right, getting started on a Monday, rolling through hour number one, Longhorns out of the NCAA tournament. What a weird Final Four we end up with. 
I think I heard this right for the first time since they went to this seeding format. The first time there was not a one, two, or three seed among the teams. Or maybe it's one, two, three, or four. Right? No, no, no. One, two, or three because UConn is a four. I think that's right. UConn, Miami, San Diego State, FAU. Your final four. All right, so we got, uh, I see the cheerleaders dancing now. Tony Basil and Mickey, right? That's right. That's an old-ass video here. Was this it for her? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Damn, Tony. Big one-hit wonder. Yeah. Tony Basil. This one was huge, though. Tony Basil and Sleazebees getting us started today on a Monday. Isaiah, along with all of you other Longhorn fans, trying to process what happened yesterday. Longhorns led it by 13. They ultimately blow the lead. Miami comes back, gets them, takes all kinds of free throws in the game. Zay, you've talked about a game where somebody makes more free throws than you take. 28-32 for Miami, only 11-15 of 15 for the Longhorns. No chance. That was tough. No chance. And you saw that last 10 minutes where you just couldn't find a bucket how much the Horns were missing Dylan DeSue. And yeah. his ability to just throw the ball to him with the lack of size that Miami had. I mean, they're bigs, which aren't bigs. Omir, 6'7, Jordan Miller, 6'7. Then the Sioux, he would have had his way with those guys. Yeah. I kept thinking about who's who's a guy that could step in for him, who's the guy that could be you were talking earlier about, you know, Mitchell gives you some, but not all the consistency that DeSue had been giving you. And yeah, what, just being a smart player, being a veteran player, you know, it was I, I thought Coach Terry, which he was trying to match when Omir and Christian Bishop. When Omir went out, he would rest Christian Bishop because right. when Omir came back in, then he would put Christian Bishop back in. I didn't like that tactic very much. Love Coach Terry, but it's part of the job. You're going to get the job. I will have to critique you. You might be family. It is what it is. He understands it. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that. I thought you should have kept Christian Bishop in the game. And even though Dylan Mitchell was playing well, I think we saw the flashes of Dylan Mitchell and what we didn't see, like the bad got covered up due to him catching lobs and dunking and stuff. Mm-hmm. We saw that. We're like, oh, this dude Dylan Mitchell's killing. When on the other end, he gave up that really bad out-of-bounds lob to Jordan Miller. The possession where, which completely changed the game. They were already on their run, though. It was around 10 minutes to go. Joseph goes to the line. You foul. It was when Joseph makes that crazy spin and just collides with Dylan Mitchell. Really bad foul. He goes to the free throw line, and they miss one of their four out of the 32 and they get the offensive rebound. Dylan Mitchell, you're right there. You tip it out. Vladdy mm-hmm. Divac style when he tipped it out to Robert Ori. Grab it. Grab the ball. Instead, mm-hmm. he tips it out. One of the few misses that Miami has, they get the offensive rebound. Jordan Miller gets fouled, knocks down two more free throws. So that's a three-point swing. It's now 67-58 with 10 minutes to go, and you know what happens in the last 10 minutes. So Dylan Mitchell, I hope he comes back. I pray he comes back. He's not ready for the NBA, and that's fine. It's okay to not be ready for the league. You're not a failure. You're still like another step closer to getting a degree. Even though everybody's aspirations is to go to the league, you're not ready yet, and that's okay. Come back another year, get more polished, develop your offensive game, learn more, watch more film, get more mature in that weight room, and come back a better player, and you'll up your stock. They ain't going to forget about you. 
They're not. You're still young. They're not going to forget about you in the association. Mm -hmm. But these guys, they hear potential. And the NBA, these, you know, agents, they tell them what they want to hear. Like, oh, you could work your way up and get this contract. You could make it in the G League. Don't be no Greg Brown. Don't be no Greg Brown. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, that's a good point. Good point. Texas uh, fell victim to, unfortunately, what other teams have. We talked about it, the injuries that uh, that got a lot of other teams, all that uh, all that momentum coming off the DeSue performance, and then he's unable to go against Xavier. Texas didn't need him there, but they certainly needed something yesterday against Miami. Miami ends up getting the win there. We're talking plenty of basketball today. Give us your thoughts, 337-3776. Let's get you a quick crap bag here. I'll tell you what I saw this weekend. Chad's crap bag. Crap bag. If you need an easy way to remember it, just think of a bag of crap. Brought to you by AV Consultations. Go 255-8678 or go to avconsultations.com. So this weekend, my wife and I took my daughter to see a comedy show. We went over to Bass Concert Hall. Shout out to Bass. I love stuff there. I haven't seen many shows there over the years, but I always enjoy it. We went and saw Taylor Tomlinson at Bass Concert Hall. So I encountered two people. One of them, I don't know what to do about. The other one is easy to, to me, is easy to fix. The one I don't know what to do about is an overlaffer at a comedy show. I've taken my kid to see two of them now, and there's an overlaffer behind us twice. Last time, <laughs> last time it was a female overlaffer. This time it was a male overlaffer. Every single thing that came out of the comedian's mouth, the opener, headliner, what? <laughs> just over laughing every moment and I don't what am I supposed to do I can't turn to him and say sir please don't laugh please try to control your laugh all I could do is say have you ever monitored what you sound like when you laugh and do you know you're out in public but then again I thought Zay well maybe somebody would say that about my laugh sometimes I whistle at a show would that be annoying to someone so I don't know how to fix that problem but for some reason, we attract the overlaffers. They are right behind us. Now my kid thinks that's normal, that the person behind you at a comedy show is just going to naturally be, ah, up to every single thing. Yeah, that's, it's annoying. It's annoying, but you can't say nothing. No, you can't say you anything. You can't be that guy. Now the other one I think we can fix, but you got to fix this one from within. There's a woman sitting to my right. My girls are on my left, There's, and, the, and the comedian is kind of to my left as well. On my right is a woman, and she's there with a guy. At some point, I hear this whispering with my right ear, so I'm trying to lean away from it so I'm not here. But I can tell they're whispering about something loud enough where I can hear it during the, the pauses. And then I realize they're not reacting to her, the comedian. They're talking about something completely different. And then I'm like, am I going to shush them? How do I deal with this? Then eventually I realize it only lasted about two to three minutes but then at the end of it, they were whispering about, should we leave? And I wanted to lean over and say, yes, you should go. Please get out of here. So it was like at a movie, comedy show or whatever. If it's so important that you're whispering loudly to each other, get up and leave. Go have your whisper out there. There's this little section of that comedy routine now that I feel like I didn't get. Because I couldn't. But that's a big decision, though. Because like, I couldn't stop myself. That's a big decision. Because you spent money on the show. I get. And it. when you hear "Should we leave?" it could be an actual emergency. Right. It could. So you're trying to take everything in. Like, is it an emergency enough to where we need to leave? Because we paid good money for this. We've been waiting for this. We don't know when we'll see this person. But now you're, but see, now they're distracted no matter what. But the way they handled it made multiple people distracted. 
They distracted the people behind them, they distracted the people on the other side, and they distracted me. So instead, wouldn't they just, hey, let's, let's, let's go. They, we, were, we weren't that far from the edge. But that's the thing. Okay, so they could have gotten up without anyone noticing. I mean, they weren't right on the aisle, but they were six, eight seats away. If it's that important that you're whispering. And eventually they did get up and walk out. And didn't come back. Nah, didn't come back. So I don't know. You got to be careful when you're that person. Yeah, because if you say something and Gramps just died or right, just choking. The, right, then I'm the bad you're guy. You're the Grady Dick. I am the bad guy at that point. And I understand some people go into those shows and they just silence the phone versus turn the phone off. I turn the phone off if I can. They may have silenced and they were seeing something on a text. I get that. But try not to be that person if you can be that, not be that person. Or like the kid is vomiting like crazy. We don't know what's going on. We're scared. That's yeah, right. If Gramps dies, you gotta leave. There's no talking. Yeah. That's instant get up. And that's tough. And I'm not. Everybody has their situations. <laughs> it's just like I don't want to be involved in your situation. No, you get old, boy. I am. Old. I am. I'm trying not to hear these things, but I have at least good enough hearing where I was hearing them whispering. Uh, my bit of good news, though, is where we ate before the show. We went to an Austin treasure that is still there. Thank God. Uh, I don't know how many of the locations are the same now, but we went to the Dan's Hamburgers oh, on Lamar. Oh, man. That's... I had not been to Dan's in a while. I talked my wife and kid into it because my kid is into like the basics of uh, plain and dry cheeseburger or chicken tenders. Oh, come on, monkey. So she tried the Dan's chicken tenders. She liked them. Okay. My wife and I went with the burgers, and man, had I forgotten how good their onion rings are. If you are into burgers, people are different. If you're into burgers and onion rings, go check out Dan's. The curly fries are really good. The fries are good. The onion rings are different. That is a different world. We got we got each of the three, so I got to taste test, you know, give you a current taste test. If you love a burger and onion rings, go try Dan's. Shout, yes. shout out to Dan. Still feels nice and lived in. Still feels old in a good way. Yeah. Doesn't feel brand new because it shouldn't. It feels like Dan's always felt. So yeah. shout out to Dan's. That burger's still really good. Yeah, the only thing bad about Dan's is that him and Fran couldn't rekindle the beef. I know. I know. Like, I mean... For France was popping, dude. That was a good battle for a while. It was too. a good battle. France was France was on Congress and oh, they were gosh, out there East Austin, out east on two ninety over on Cameron. Cameron, yeah, that's right. Cameron, that's or right. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, <sighs> oh, I've hit that one a few times. It's good stuff. Squash it. You know why? Isaiah Thomas, Michael Jordan. We don't need these beefs. Hey, we that, don't need, even though I do enjoy that one. We don't, Scotty, Michael, we don't need this. Created two good burger places, though. They got, they got after it. But I yeah, put now, Dan and Fran. They're on the same level as Michael and Scotty. Yes, exactly. My, that's how good it is. But now there's no more Frans, and I don't know if any of the Dans have gone away. But I, the the one on Lamar is still there. Just let y'all know. One on airport still there. Okay. You went to South Lamar or North Lamar? We went North Lamar. Lamar Lamar. Yeah, that one's still there. South Lamar. Right up there off of Caney. Yeah, and then that new one in Buda. Is that right? one. Yeah. Got a new one down there? Yeah. It's not that new, but it's newer compared to the three we just named. There you go. Bravo to Dan's Hamburgers. Good place. All right, so uh, there's your crap bag. We do that every day about 1245. Up next, back to the Longhorn discussion, Joe Cook of Inside Texas. The good news of the baseball team, the bad news of the men's basketball team. We'll hit both next on the Horn.